I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Taylor. Hey, Zane. Where does the dog go after it loses its tail? Where? The retail store. (laughs) The retail store. Yeah, I made a pun. You did. I'm very proud. Bork, bork, hello. Hi. Hey, it's I'm producer Zane. He's back for another week. You're welcome. Uh, thank you. Yep. Yeah. I, no, you're welcome to the audience. Because oh. they're thanking us for having you on again. Unfortunately, you're Tom, our co-host, is uh, still unable to be with us today. So producer Zane is filling in with another lovely breed for us today. Which means you get me again for your story and your tip and your oh, trick. Watch not out. Not Taylor again. Because I ramble a lot. Oh, my name's Taylor. <laughs> I never do that bit. We always get to introduce ourselves. This I'm Zane. I did that bit. I just didn't do and me. That was your cue to go. And I'm Taylor. Oh, and I'm Taylor. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. We did it at the start and now we just don't. So if you ever listen out of order, you don't know who's talking. Sorry about it. <laughs> Um, Okay, so today, because I got to do this story again, I found an article on preparing a dog for the theatre stage. Okay. Preparing a dog for the theatre stage. To go on the stage or to watch someone on stage? No, to go on the stage. Oh, okay. How would you take your dog to the theatre? By carrying them in? Yep. I did actually do a theatre performance once where the it was a really loud show. Um, The... The, with a, a blind person in the audience and the, oh. the dog was there. So they listened to the show and the dog just like chilled under the seat and watched it. But it was one of those shows where there was a lot of like audience like participation, participation. and like we would go out into the crowd a lot so and the dance dog and had come to back describe in. what was happening yeah, to, exactly. the, to the blind person. And so I would like go out and dance around and I would be like, oh, there's a dog there. Just, just <laughs> dance over here. So you had to just kind of be careful not to hit the dog in the audience. No dog. But that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I tried to tell you that and then just. Then okay. there was a story and <sighs> got off track. So how are you preparing your dog for the stage? Yes. Yeah, so this is actually an article by the Washington Post. It's called preparing a dog for the theatre stage can be a long, difficult process. There's very, it seems odd that there is enough people trying to do this that there is an article that goes in the Washington Post about it. Well, think about the number of productions of Annie um, requires a dog. Think about the now current number of productions of Legally Blonde. Uh, two dogs, if you're doing it properly. And um, the city we live in is doing a lot of Legally Blonde at the moment. <laughs> so there's a lot of dogs. Um, so that's what the article is about. Um, so... Apparently, and I didn't know this, but do you know the song, uh, the show Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill, starring um, Audra? Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. starring um, Audra McDonald. I didn't know this, but there's a dog in that show. Where? 
where is the dog? Where is the on dog? On the stage, I'm going to guess. Uh-huh. But there's a photo here. So, because I never saw that show. And also, if you're not a musical person, like uh, producer Zane and I are, you probably won't have heard of this show. But it's a lovely show. Um, about Billie Holiday, who was a jazz singer. Um, um, Peppy is the name of Billie Holiday's beloved dog. And the show required Peppy as a character. Oh, so there's Peppy. a photo here of Audra McDonald with the puppy. Oh, puppy. Which I didn't know. That wasn't in any of the like. I also did not know this. Yeah, how crazy. Anyway, so for this article is like you, you need a dog that can do things, obviously, on call, eight shows a week. You need a genuine canine thespian is what they're referring to the mask. And probably a thespian, a canine thespian handler. Yes, yes, yes. Um. For that, more often than not, you'll call Bill Baloney. Bill Baloney. That sounds like it's, a made-up name. It's, <laughs> it's spelt Berloni, like B-E-R-L-O-N-I. So, like, very right. much not like yeah, yeah. Baloney. It's Berloni. But, like, I like Baloney better. Baloney. He is Broadway's preeminent animal handler. Good. I'm glad the Broadway has one. Me too. Those. I was worried. Um, after an open call for dogs, directors weren't able to find a suitable amateur to play Peppy. Billy Holiday's beloved dog in the revival of Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill. Um, all of them got very nervous in the audition rooms with cameras there with strangers. We needed a dog that had courage. Courage. Yep. Like, 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 like the lion. Courage like the lion. <laughs> if they That's been another show that cats, needs a dog. Okay. What are you doing, Wizard of Oz? Oh, yeah. Okay, right. Okay. I thought you would like segue over to Lion King and I was like, does it? I would not call any of the characters in The Lion King the lion. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Theatres are often, I didn't know this, I'm a little bit upset. Theatres are often inclined to cast amateur animals to save money. As the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra did in its recent production of Midsummer Night's Dream, um, dog owner Greg Boasmar's compensation was four free tickets. That's what he got for his dog being in the show every night. Um, a good 80% of the calls we get are from theatres that have chosen to do Annie. Told you. And they've borrowed someone's dog and it's gone I mean, bad. You've read this article before, right? I mean, I skimmed it. <laughs> but that, that's what I always think about is like if you're going to do Annie or if you're going to do Legally, Legally Blonde, Blonde you've got to have some plans. And a lot of them, like I've done a lot of children's theatre, so then you just whack a child in a dog costume. Beautiful. Done. Oh, and that, nice that and gets easy. one child out of your head. And that gets one <laughs> child distracted. You don't have to give them a role. They've got a starring role. They learn how to bark. <laughs> they have a great time. But when you're doing sla- like an adult production, you're not really going to put children mm. in the roles of it. Anyway, um, a good 80% of the calls we get from theatres have chosen to do any. They've borrowed someone's dog. It's gone bad. They want us to come out, but they have no money, said Baloney, whose company Theatrical Animals manages star dogs. Would you do a show with any other professional effect if you couldn't afford a person to do that effect? I mean, we do. Maybe we're pyrotechnics. Theater, but <laughs> maybe some sword play. Maybe, I don't know, like trapeze. That's safe to do without a professional, Trapeze right? is really safe without professional. <laughs> I've done many a trapeze show without knowing how to do it. I'm kidding. I can't do trapeze. Uh, but having such a consistent and stage-ready dog comes at a price. Baloney declined to say how much the show pays for the use of his animals because obviously he's a consummate professional. Yeah, rude. That classic Baloney. Uh, but he noted that it was less than the $1,800 minimum weekly salary of a chorus member. Okay. Well, because Which, they, okay, that's kind of fair. Yeah. They're not paying rent in New York or anything. 
Well, it really depends. Like, if you have to pay for the handler, like that's they well, have that's to be what you're there. paying for. I mean, yeah. a dog, you can probably get him some treats, and that dog's had a happy day. Whereas you're gonna pay for the handler that has to sit backstage with the dog, yeah, and hear the same songs over and over and over again. Like, how many times can you hear the song come out tomorrow before you just want to cry? One in desperation. <laughs> yes, that is the correct number. <laughs> Um, animal handlers, Baloney said, are among the lowest paid theatre professionals in the business. When small theatres cannot afford fees, he urges them to seek another solution. Use a puppet. If you're doing Annie, put a kid in a dog suit. Your audiences will forgive you. Um, for Lady Day, Baloney, who has a Connecticut farm with 26 stage-ready dogs. Oof. The dream. <laughs> uh, brought in Roxy, an 11-year-old chihuahua rescued from Hurricane Katrina, whose resume Aww. includes credits from regional productions of Legally Blonde, the musical. Can you imagine if you're a little chihuahua and you had Legally Blonde on your resume? Animal handler and assistant stage manager Lara is not only responsible for Roxy at the theatre, but also for the rest of the day too. So the dog lives with her in the Washington Heights area of Manhattan. Had to puppy-proof my house, had to pick anything off the floor she would chew on. Um, She also had to send her cat home to live with her family in Pennsylvania so she could look after the dog so that she can provide Roxy with a tranquil environment free of distractions. Um, Hayhurst knows Hayhurst is Lara. Sorry, I didn't say last name before. Knows how crucial that is to a dog's success. An actress, she is on leave from Lady Day for a role in Legally Blonde in Pittsburgh, where she will share the stage with Roxy's brother Chico in mid June. Chico. Yeah. So the first step is preparing a dog for its role is to acclimate it to the theatrical environment and help it bond with Star Audra McDonald. Oh man, what a job. I want to bond with Star Wars and McDonald's. Same. Dogs don't act, they live in real time, said Baloney, who earned a special Tony Award in 2001. Oh, there you go. If you want to be a dog in love with Audra McDonald, you make it fall in love with Audra McDonald. Also, how hard is it to fall in love with Audra McDonald? Like, not that hard. <laughs> Um, McDonald is also a dog owner. She feeds Roxy dinner each night. They have an hour of uninterrupted bonding before the show. Aww. The dog gets about eight minutes of stage time each night. She's carried on stage by McDonald, who sings the Billy Holiday song, Taint Nobody's Business If I Do. And in a favorite moment, she drinks some gin, a gin, out of a glass, which is aided by a little peanut butter. It may look very simple, but it's been years and years of training, caretaking, and using Baloney's philosophy of positive reinforcement. You watch a performance and it looks effortless. Aw, McDonald won a Drama Desk Award and she thanked Roxy. Aww. So there you go. That just says like they're not acting when they're on stage. That's why we love animals on the stage so much. It's harder for us humans to be in the moment. We have the cognitive ability to get into our own heads. Dogs are just there. Dogs are just there. Dogs are just, they're just loving Audra McDonald and eating peanut butter in real time. It's doing what they love. Much like myself. (laughs) Anyway, I thought that was really cute. So, but apparently it's, it's very difficult and I didn't realize how like harsh the industry was. Like they don't really... Look yeah. after the. I would have thought that would be a high-paying industry. Is if you're going to produce like animals for stage. But I'm surprised not. that there isn't like protections in place that you can't do it with amateurs. Well, if you you can't do it without like proper protections for the dogs. Yes, yeah, weird. Yeah, it's weird. Anyway, there you go. I did not know that. So they do the the handlers get paid, but like, and then even in this situation. The assistant stage manager is watching the dog and like living with the dog. Yeah. And yeah. that wouldn't be, she wouldn't get a bonus for that. That'd just be in her assistant stage manager Aww. pay. So, anyway, that's well, kind of fascinating, I think. I agree. I want that job now. I want to I be there. I want to be that. Um, can we start? This is obviously from 2014 because the show is not on anymore. But yeah. 
Um, I want a dog farm of 26 stage ready dogs. <laughs> I think that'd any, be so good. Any dog farm I have will all all of them They'll will be, all be stage, stage ready. ready. <laughs> <laughs> they'll Amazing. have their own little stage that they can put shows ah, on for each other we on. could practice we could do legally blonde with 26 dogs and two humans and two playing humans. like bruiser and <laughs> i don't know the other dog's name what's the other dog's name i also do not know it. oh i don't know it's like a funny name coco no i need to look it up now okay why don't i look it up while you start to tell me about this week's breed let me tell you not about the Rhodesian Ridgeback, which is not a dragon, but about the Norwegian Lunderhund, which is also not a dragon. It sounds dragony though, doesn't it? It does. Also, it his does. name was Rufus. Oh, Rufus. Rufus and Rufus. Sorry. Okay. Shout out to Rufus. Shouts out, Rufus. You're a cutie. So the yeah. Norwegian Lunderhund or Norsk Lunderhund. Wait, say it again. Is it Lunderhund? Lunderhund. Oh, Lunderhund. Yeah. Okay. So it's a small dog breed of the Spitz type uh, that originates from Norway. So its name is a compound noun composed of Lunda, meaning puffin, or <laughs> and Hund, meaning dog. This happens literally every week, but when I'm not doing the breed, I then get about two minutes into it and then Google it and go, <gasps> it's a, it almost looks chihuahua-y. Or is this just that one photo where he looks really small? No, no. So they are a, sh- a, a small dog. They are small. Uh, they do have kind of a, I guess you'd call it like a husky kind of colouring, yeah. a curly tail. Um, but they were, the breed was originally developed for hunting puffins and their eggs. Wait, why would you hunt a puffin? To eat. You would eat puffins? Yeah. Puffins are like those little birds that are kind of penguiny, right? Yeah. They well, look kind of penguiny. They're not penguins, but they look kind of penguiny. Yeah, they, they have puffins. like a like a short, a stout beak. Yeah, they look they look like if if a penguin wasn't a penguin, if it was like a little bird. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Kind of, they're black Why and white with an orange beak. Puffins. The same reason you would hunt any bird to eat. But why would you eat a puffin? It's cute. Eat like a crow. Ducks are or cute. A magpie. Crows are Some cute. Some ducks are cute. I don't <laughs> like the ducks that are like just the black with like a little bit of green. Wow. Just, just calling out the black and green ducks. Don't have time for you. So anyway, something uh, really interesting about the Lunderhund is that they have six toes. I did just see a photo of that. Yeah. Uh, So they're a small rectangular spitz dog, a great range of motion in its joints, allowing it to fit into and extricate itself from narrow passages. Uh, so they're Which is able, probably good when you're mm, hunting puffins. Absolutely. And they they can bend their head backwards along their own spine Blech. and and turn their four legs to the side at a 90-degree <gasps> oh angle. Oh, okay, so the further I scroll, the more I see the things you're describing. Yeah. <laughs> That's really creepy. They're like contortionist dogs. Yeah, contortionist dogs. Uh, well, because uh, they're, they're meant to go into burrows and, and such. Right. Yeah. Well, puffins are pretty tiny. Yeah. And so... Again, to their the front legs are much like human arms in that they can they can bend them to the side at a at an angle, um, and their ears are made uh, or are, are shaped such that if they push them back, uh, they they close off so that they won't get stuff in their ears when yeah. they're crawling through tunnels. So uh, the the Lunderhund has six toes, all fully formed, jointed, and muscles. Yeah, bizarre. Some specimens on occasion have more or fewer than six toes per foot, but this is then outside the breed standard. And so like we were saying, they have an Uh, outer coat and an undercoat, so a dense, rough outer coat and a soft undercoat. 
um, adapted to climb narrow cliff paths uh, where it has hunted puffins. So uh, it has a long history. Uh, they're most ancient of the Nordic dog breeds. Um, research indicates that the breed has been in existence since before the last ice age. Um, that was a while ago. Uh, that was a while ago, <laughs> yes. Uh, if uh, I'm many, not mistaken. Many whiles, a, a, few, a few whiles ago. A few whiles ago. That, uh, where they survived by eating fish and seabirds. Um, it's often claimed by breed-related websites that the Lundahood is actually a descendant of a primeval dog, Canis Forus. Uh-huh. Uh, rather than the domesticated dog breeds, uh, Canis lupus familiaris. Uh, but oh, yeah. <laughs> but there is no recognised species as Canis forus. So, right. You know. That was like a speculation-y yeah. kind of a dog. Yeah. Uh, so they, they are a working dog. So a yep, lot of for sure. um, they they a lot of energy. They like to be trained. They like uh, a, a bit of a firm hand when it comes to being told what to do and when to do it. Uh, so they they're also used at the at the airport, oh, really? um, and and things like that uh, to to chase away birds. At the air- oh, as in like on the runway? Yeah, I yeah. was like picturing the front of the airport being like, "Get out of the way!" There's people with luggage coming through. <laughs> no room for birds here. Uh, no birds here. <laughs> no, that makes sense. You don't want a splatty bird. Yeah, on your, and, the, on and your you airplane. don't want because airports usually have wide open expanses of grass. Uh, they mm. use to kind of find nests and and get rid of and nests. get rid of that so yeah, that they don't just, breed so there. So you don't have yep. birds around. Fair enough. Yeah, we're busy. Yeah, so there's one major health issue with the Lunderhund, which is gastroenteropathy, which Ew. is a set of digestive disorders and loss of the ability to absorb nutrients from food. Um, so in extreme cases, it means that no matter how much they eat, they can't oh, they no. can't get enough they can't, nutrients like, process out of it. Properly. Oh yeah. no. So it's it's not it's uncertain if all Lunderhorns have the genetics to have this illness, since it's not every Lunderhorn, since not every Lunderhorn is severely afflicted, yeah. and some are totally symptom free. Um, there's no cure, though the disease can be managed. That's good. Yeah. So again, like most, well, I say by like most, but but like some breeds, there's a lot of inbreeding um, in this, in the, in the history of this breed, mm-hmm. which leads low fertility, short lifespans and high puppy mortality. Um, so the breed was actually threatened by extinction and is now undergoing oh, a crossbreeding wow. program, uh, spearheaded by the Norwegian Lunderhund club with assistance from a group of geneticists program aims to employ a strategy of breeding the Norwegian Lunderhund with various other Nordic dogs to to, in order to reduce uh, the, res- the 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 recessive genetic disorders that we mentioned, yeah, before. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, they're they're a fun they're a fun they're a fun dog. Like all working dogs, um, lots of energy. They can't they do need to be told what to do, um, and or otherwise they'll get destructive. So yeah, they sound like they'll take direction well, but you really need to give them that direction yeah. to manage them. And I guess they are small. Uh, whereas most working dogs are medium to large dogs, but they are small. But yeah, so you still need to kind of like a Jack Russell, I guess, like Moose that we mentioned last episode. You need to need to kind of keep yeah, him, you need to keep, keep him, him in busy. hand. Yep, totally. Oh, the only thing I'm not digging is like there's a lot of photos where people are like pushing them back, so you can see their like mobility, yeah, and yeah. I'm like, oh, what? Okay, thank you. <laughs> 
No, their it. arms are meant to move like that sometimes. There's one dog that's like, and his like arms are all the way back. And I'm like, oh, just don't snap him. And also I've started looking up puffins. So I will be starting a puffin podcast. Okay. I directly look after that. They're so cute, puffins. <laughs> they look really sad and they eat little tiny fishes. Oh, baby fishes. All right. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I got distracted by puffins. No, they're so cute. They look really like friendly. Like I want to just give them a cuddle. Yeah, Not the puffins, I, the I, Norwegian I, Lunderhood. I think that's Lunderhood. just that's just you anthropomorphizing though. Like animals are wild animals. Sometimes they're friendly. Like sloths are usually friendly. You're anthropomorphizing. I'm not. Give front. I like <laughs> dogs, okay? That's why we're here. Yeah, but puffins aren't dogs. Puffins aren't domesticated. They'll probably no, bite you. I was talking about the dogs. I was saying the Norwegian Lunderhood looks friendly oh. and cuddly. I was off puffins. Yes, puffins they would probably are. be like, could you please get off me? I'm very busy. That's exactly what a puffin would be like. Right? It'd be like, <laughs> and then like fly away and be like, please leave me alone. That's an almost perfect puffin impersonation. I've never heard them. Is that what they sound like? No, I like, don't know either. I really want to go home and like watch a David Attenborough and like puffins because <laughs> surely he's done one. Surely. Well, do you have a tip and trick for us? I do. Um, that was really loud. It's really hot today. I don't know if you've noticed where we live. I have noticed. I cannot not notice Queensland is the worst. It's disgusting. It's super hot. That's why I'm going to New York shortly because there is snow there and not here. Um, so what we do on a super hot day or what the random people that seem to live in our city do is they go to the beach. True. So if you're taking your dog to the beach this summer and I'm aware that um, we have a lot of Irish listeners. Hello, Ireland. You're in the snow right now or at least winter. Um, and we do have some international listeners. Just maybe like put this uh, podcast on hold for another six months. But if you're in Australia, it's really hot right now. Also, if you're living in Ireland and you want to, I don't know, give us house and board, we'll come stay there. We will come stay there and we will do a special Irish episode. <laughs> because who wants to be in Queensland in summer? Yep. <laughs> Anyway, so here for our Australian listeners or anyone who's in the summer, um, our 15 tips for taking your dog to the beach. Excellent. Because I do know a lot of people that like to take their dogs to the beach. And I know a lot of dogs who like to be taken to the beach. Yes. Zola is not really one of them. She'll walk along the beach. She's like down for that, but she's really not sure about the water. She's like, oh, it's a bit suspicious. Um, But I do know a lot of dogs that like swimming. Um, so tip one is protect those paw pads. The sand on some beaches is extremely hot. And if you're wearing sandals, you might not notice how uncomfortable it is for your dog's feet. Um, there's products apparently that you can get to apply to their paws before you go on. Oh, so not like booties. No, it's called Mush's Secret. I don't know what it is. I could probably click on the link and it would tell me, um, which apparently you can apply to like protect the paw so it doesn't burn. Oh. It's taking a long time to load. Why don't we, why don't we put that on our feet? It's probably for paw pads. We don't really have paw pads. Well, Do I we feel not? like we could be looking <laughs> Much into that. Much a secret. All season paw protection. And then there's a doggy on the beach and there's a husky in the snow. Made from a blend of several food grade waxes and oils. Does not contain nut soy or flax oils. Semi-permeable shield that is absorbed into the pores. Allowing perspiration to escape through the pads. Soothes and conditions relieves dry and cracked pads. Oh. There you go. There you go. Well, check that out if you're having issues with your dog's paw pads. That's pretty cool. Or purchase some adorable booties. Or get some adorable booties. Get them. I wonder if you can get thongs for dogs. Sorry, and by thongs I mean flip-flops. Mm, I, I I don't imagine it would be like dogs very rarely appreciate having things on their feet. Yep. 
And so I I think that flip-flops would be flopped off quite quickly. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Yes. There's also another trick that I've heard where if you put the back of your hand on the surface you're walking your dog on, if you can't hold it there for five seconds, it's too hot for your dog to walk on. Oh, absolutely. Which should be pretty basic knowledge. But like that's that's a good one, especially we have like the bitumen in Brisbane can get like really hot because it's black. So um, if you're taking your dog for a walk or onto the beach, if you can't hold your hand there on some sensitive skin for like a long period of time, your dog cannot walk on that. So that's a good way to look for that. Um, Find out if your dog likes to swim. Uh, we talked about swimming with dogs a lot, but if it's your f- dog's first time at the beach, start off somewhere quiet with calm water. Don't start them off on a surf beach. It's not going to go Sometimes well. Sometimes they don't give you a choice though. I mean, no. I I used to be friends with a dog. <laughs> Excellent start to this story. And we, we, we took him to the beach and it was a nice like, kind of like cove area. Like they'd built up rocks to so like a little lagoon. Yeah. And he was just like, nah, <laughs> to the waves. Bye. <laughs> well, that's like um, I, I used to have a friend, also a human friend that had um, a lovely Westie dog that w- loves going to the beach yep. and she will just like pew, like anywhere down the beach. She'll go swimming. She'll like be in the waves and she gets yep. so sandy well, and the, she yeah. loves it, but she'll go anywhere. This fellow was a basset hound, so <laughs> it was just sand everywhere because as, as soon as he would run, his ears would like flick up sand about him. <laughs> It's so just cute. <laughs> an aura of sand. Anyway, if even dogs that are good swimmers can become overwhelmed by strong waves and currents, basically know your dog. Yes. If you yeah. if you know it's their first time and they're going to freak out, if you've got a Zola, take them somewhere chill, calm, maybe just dip their toes in. If you've got a swimmer dog, awesome, let them go for it, but like keep an eye on them. You never know when a rip is going to come or a particularly strong wave or yeah. also stuff like jellyfish. Especially little dogs. Yeah. Especially little, they might be mighty, but some of those waves are hectic. Um, consider a life vest for your dog. <laughs> I have literally seen these. There's some at the markets here. They make them with mermaid tails on them, so they look like little mermaids. They're so cute. I mean, it really depends on whether your dog will wear it or not. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if you're boating or playing in the surf, it can be good. They can float. So if they try to swim a bit too preemptively or, like, too excitedly, You'll see them bouncing, um, and they have like handles on the back. Yes. So, so if they're kind of getting up, away from you, you them. can just kind of pull them back in. Um, anyway, consider that might be an option for your dog. Um, provide some shade. Human and dogs, they need breaks from the sun. Don't forget how exhausted you are after a day at the beach. Imagine running around constantly all day too and playing in the surf. Um, they need, say, shade and a bit of a break from the sun. Uh, now, this next one says, don't forget your dog's sunscreen. You might not associate sunburns with dogs, but it can happen if your dog spends a lot of time in the sun. Sunscreens made for dogs, babies, or sensitive skin are normally fine to use so long as they don't contain zinc oxide, but check with your vet. Please, please, please look into this before you do that. Yeah. But yeah, dogs with pink noses and skin, shaved dogs and dogs with light-colored coats especially need protection from the sun. So it might be something to consider if your dog looks like they might get easily burnt. Well, usually you would know that. Hopefully before you know that before yeah. the beach, but yeah, just if you something can to see consider. Their skin, oh yeah, like, like if it's a particularly pale dog or sparse hair, yeah, you're probably going to need to look at sunscreen. Absolutely. Uh, pack plenty. Pack plenty of water in the cooler. Um, they get easily de- dehydrated. So same as you, especially if there's a lot of salt water. Sometimes they'll just kind of go for that. So mm. make sure that you've got a lot of fresh, cool water for them as well. 
Um, take several leashes and make sure you check all the local ordinances for off-leash and on-leash um, rules, especially in Australia. It gets really confusing. You'll go to a dog leash-free beach to like no dogs allowed beach really quickly. So make well, sure Well, sometimes you- they're the same beach, just a arbitrary sign there's a sign that's like nah and you're like oh man so make sure you keep an eye on that and take a few leashes with you because oh man i always lose stuff at the beach and also in australia if you're going to a people beach like a beach that is like Like lifeguard yeah yeah, beach yeah but if you're going to a non-people beach like a beach that just exists somewhere yeah you do have to kind of plan ahead because sometimes if it's close to a national park or there are pests yep. about, yep. they will bait beaches to get rid of wild yep. dogs. 100%. And if your dog eats that, then there is maybe half an hour to get them to a vet before the worst happens. Absolutely. Yeah. Always prepare for that kind of stuff. I mean, it's hard to prepare for that kind of I stuff. I mean, that's- no way you're taking your dog, yeah, really. Yeah, that's very Australia specific. Um, So that's just something that- living on near a beach my whole life, you kind of learn those things. Yep, yep, totally. Um, Make sure that you handle uh, any bathroom situations for your dog. So clean up after them. It's the same as when you go for a walk. Um, You don't want to be in the sand and suddenly find another dog's mess. So make sure you don't do that with your dog. Make sure you take them somewhere that they can... um, Go to the bathroom yep. if you if you don't want to be fishing for it in the ocean, which some dogs like to do. Really? Yeah, that's I've what it never says. met a dog that likes to do that. Seen? I've seen some dogs that like um, to poop in the water at the beach. Huh? That's All a right. tough one to deal with, but at least try to clean it up if you can. Yeah, because I don't like seaweed at the best of times, so <laughs> I don't want much else coming up. Um, avoid hidden dangers in the water. Um, Australians probably know this better than anyone, but there's jellyfish everywhere, especially this time of year. So make sure you're looking around um, for jellyfish and areas where there's going to be any kind of hazard or or danger in the water. Um, If there's going to be stuff like that, don't let them swim in that water. It's going to be too hard to control their movement. Um, And on the sand as well, they can still sing you when they're washed up on the sand. So make sure that if your dog is especially off leash or digging around, that they're not digging around on jellyfish. Or stings yeah, or crabs yeah. or anything yeah. like that. I mean, my parents' dogs love nothing more than chasing ghost crabs. Yeah. Because it's so much they're fun. tiny yeah. and they're fast. They never catch them. By ghost crabs, that is an actual kind of crab. That's not producer Zane saying <laughs> crabs that don't exist. It's, it, no, it's not. Phantom a, it's, crabs. It's not a, it's not, and, and it's also not the spirit of a crab that has has, has left this away. mortal coil <laughs> <laughs> and still runs about on beaches. Yeah, no, so there's there's lots of things, obviously. I mean, I was at the beach the other day and there were just jellyfish everywhere and we just, you, as humans, you look out for each other and you're just like, oh, watch that one. Yeah. So do the same for your dog because they're not going to be as aware of it as you. Um, if you're going for a nighttime walk on the beach, make sure, oh, look, the first sentence of this is what dog doesn't like to chase crabs on the beach at night? Yeah. Hello. <laughs> um, make sure you've got a torch. Um, or a laser pointer, LED light on their collar, all those kinds of things. Make sure that it's lit up and you are safe yes. and they're safe yeah. and everyone knows where everyone is. Um, give your dog a clean rinse or bath. Um, make sure that you get all the sand and the salt off them because for a lot of dogs it can be really irritating to their skin. Um, rinse them off with clean water each time you come back from the beach and then if you can give them a nice natural shampoo, um, that will help. A lot of... Um, 
if you're at the beach, a lot of like hotels or cottages or places have outdoor showers, which are really great. Mm. It means you can sort of do it while you wash them off and yeah, just keep an eye on that. Um, and it just says, keeping sand out of your car. Don't even bother trying. Ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> sand will get pretty much everywhere. There's no use stressing over it. Um, but you can, you can try and clean it out afterwards. Don't, don't stress about that. Cause you can, put towels, be, down you can put towels down. Like you can try and shake out your dog. Or there's also like, um, showers at the beach a lot of the time. So you could try and wash them off yeah. quickly before yeah. you go, but don't stress about it. And then the last one just says, don't forget the toys. To take them? Yeah. Frisbees, toys that float around, a good choice for the beach. A lot of dogs love tennis balls, but they can get really sandy. So just be careful. And make sure you enjoy your fun time at the beach with your doggo. Enjoy it. Enjoy it or else. <laughs> but this dog looks really worn out in the sand. It looks like it didn't follow any of these tips or tricks. It's but true. anyway, um, I will link that. There's a couple more that I didn't read that might be of interest to you, but those are the main ones. Just, I think the best thing is just like, just look out for your dog. Mm. It's a much more extreme environment than they probably used to. So you need to make sure that there's nothing there that's going to hurt or irritate them. I mean, I'm not a beach person, but I, <laughs> I could, can't really imagine would, you at the beach to be I quite honest. I could definitely be persuaded to take a dog to the beach. Yeah, it's super fun. <laughs> it's super, I have to say, it's super fun with a dog that's quite experienced at the beach. Yes. Yeah. That kind of knows what they like to do and where they like to run. Um, like when we take Zola, we have to be like very, very careful. And yes, like we wouldn't go swimming while we have Zola there. We'd just kind of look after her. Yeah. Whereas I have been with dogs that are quite experienced and you can go swimming and they can be running around and it's really good, but always kind of be aware of what your dog needs from you. Yeah. All right. That's it for today. Thank you so much for joining us. And thanks producer Zane for, uh, for filling in once again and You're welcome. being here and having us. Have, well, it's just me having me. I'll have fun in me. New York. Taylor. Thanks. I actually think by the time this comes out, I will be there. You will definitely be I there. I will definitely by the time be there. So, a bit of a bit of a special treat. The next time you hear from me, will hopefully be from New York, and there might even be a special guest featuring. So, Ooh. definitely listen in next week, the week after, if uh, my technological skills don't fail me, because uh, hopefully there'll be a surprise guest on. Um, until then, you can catch us on um our socials we've got facebook twitter and instagram i will be doing my best to post some new york city doggos i'm gonna go for a bit of a wander around central park and see who i can find um they also wear really cute coats in the winter so i'm pretty excited <laughs> for that um uh, we are floof and papa p-u-p-p-e-r um just search us on any of your socials you should be able to find us um and get in touch too um comment like us, um, let us know if there's any breeds you want to hear about or tips that you're wondering. We're happy to look into that kind of stuff for you. And send us pictures you. of your dogs. Always uh, send pictures of your dogs. Always, always makes my day. I do have, um, we have one fan in particular who just likes to forward on any kind of like dog memes. <laughs> so shouts out Alex for always sending me the, uh, the classic little dog memes on Instagram. As soon as I figure out how to post videos that aren't mine, I will probably try and repost some of those, but um, they are good. They make me chuckle. So please definitely write in. And um, until then, book, book, goodbye. Book, book, goodbye. Can a song just objectively be bad? 
Yes. But that doesn't mean we can't learn from it. I'm Alex Smith. And I'm James Keogh. And on our new podcast, My Songs Suck, we talk to writers and musicians who share with us some of their earlier, less good content and reflect on how far they've come. If you want to get in on the fun, head to That's Not Canon Productions or find us on iTunes, Google Play, or whatever podcatcher you use. My songs suck, because everyone makes mistakes. Just make sure you record them. That's Not Canon Productions podcast. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.